And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. You don't have an option. You think it's the you show? It's the me show. Hey, what's up, Mark? Come on. The whites, the robe, the hair, the woo! The X at 105.9. My guest right now is doing two shows at the Benetton Center in downtown Pittsburgh on April 6th. He is America's number one comedian and the number one Boston sports fan. It's a pleasure to welcome back Bill Burr. Bill, are you the number one Boston sports fan? Where do you rank compared to Bill Simmons and guys like that? Oh, I'm not even close to those guys. That's literally their life. You know, I'm just, and they actually know what they're talking about. So those are two big areas where I lose. I'm just sort of the loud guy at the bar who makes sense for like 10 minutes, and then you gradually figure out I probably flunked everything in high school, and you need to just sort of sit and laugh at me. <laughs> well, you're the lifeblood of my industry, to, to be sure. And we haven't talked since the Patriots lost the Super Bowl. And, and Bill, I'm not gloating. I'm actually kind of pissed you lost to Philadelphia. What happened there? I, I, I don't think anybody knows. That was the weirdest game. That was like a game in September where, like, like you know, they say defense wins championships. I, I, I said it was, it was the, uh, one of the ugliest games I've seen. It's not because my team lost, but, like, Philly fans are giving me a rough time on Twitter going, dude, Nick Foles owned you with, like, 300-something yards. It's like, dude, that was a pedestrian day compared to Brady threw for over 500 yards and <laughs> lost. There was one defensive play the whole game, and that ended up winning it. There was, like, two punts. It was, Dude, it was just ugly. I have to be honest with you. Uh, I didn't believe in the Patriots this year when we lost that game against you guys, and then for some stupid reason they said that touchdown, you know, was that it when he caught the ball? Was Did he really catch it, you know, that game? Oh, I yeah, and we, Jesse James. Yeah, they, they ruled it no catch because the catch rules all screwed up. Yeah, like literally receivers don't even know what is the catch anymore. But anyway... <laughs> We went ahead in that game. As always, Tom Brady leads us ahead, right? And the very next play, in December, we gave up 90 yards on a screen pass. And I'm like, oh, this, this team's not winning the Super Bowl. And the next thing you know, we're in it. And I'm thinking, like, and we're playing Philly. And God knows they always lose. I think we actually got a shot at this. Um, I was actually worried that we were going to, the way they shut down um, – you know, Minnesota the week before, and like I said, the 90-yard screen pass. If that happens in September, maybe early October, I feel like Bill Belichick is good enough to turn that around, but even as good as he is. Um, and also, when the, when the game starts and one of your players is crying and, it has not, not, and he didn't lose a loved one, that was probably another sign of like, hey, this might be a little weird today. The only thing I, I don't like that Philly won was they beat my team, and I, and I really like to see – cities that haven't won one haven't won one in a long time uh win one but i couldn't enjoy it because they beat my team so a lot of people think i don't like philly because of that rant I, it just i was getting booed in philly so i, I just attacked what they love but I, I never really had a beef with them well here's kind of a, a turning point a, a contradiction in that game how come the philadelphia quarterback caught the touchdown pass and brady didn't that was big because brady brady's like 500 years old when Brady stands in the pocket, he looks like an astronaut. The second he starts running, you let you see his age. And he sits there and he talks about how, but listen to the thing. I love it. Like, Tom Brady, like, no matter what he does, like, people are still going to give him credit. The guy threw for 500 yards. He's supposed to catch a pass, too? <laughs> how about the Patriots stop the Eagles once in 58 drives in that game? Like, uh, I actually, the weirdest, both teams deserve to get blown out. It kind of reminded me of, like, an old Chargers 
Dolphins game when Dan Marino and Dan Fouts were there. Sorry, my kid's going crazy. She doesn't know words yet, so she just goes crazy. <laughs> like most of my audience, actually. <laughs> there you go. It does seem sometimes, and, and I'm neither a Brady fan nor a critic, but it does seem like sometimes no matter what he does, people expect more. How can you not be a Tom Brady fan? That's like me as a Red Sox fan not liking Derek Jeter. I mean, at some point, you've got to get past the uniform and be like, this guy is one of the greatest to ever do it. Oh, no, I think he is the greatest ever to do it, period. I understand, and I understand what you're saying. You guys have had some tough games because even when you beat us, you still lost. <laughs> because you guys, you guys won that game, man. That game was... That, that Bill, that's the best way it's been put. The Steelers won, but they still lost. That, that hits the nail right on the head. Well, I mean, yeah. When that guy caught that touchdown pass that they said he didn't catch, that everybody saw. I love when they catch the ball and then they, they, you stretch it out. It's because you're trying to score a touchdown. You're supposed to do that, right? Yeah. And I love how, like, the ground can't cause a fumble, but if you catch it, it can. It doesn't make any sense. Like that, that Des Bryant one from a few years ago, that playoff game. That was weird that year because the week before, the Cowboys won because of that bad rule, and then the next next week they lost. So I guess that's sort of justice, but, like, I don't know. I think if somebody catches the ball, it's a catch. That's how it was when I was a kid. If you caught it, it was a catch. Yeah, there really wasn't a debate on the playground, was there? Well, I they, they changed the rule because they were trying to, like uh, – stop these types of debates and arguments and make it clear-cut, and they got so anal about it. Like I said, literally, like, players don't even know what's a catch and what isn't. And um, I'll tell you another one. The, the tuck rule was stupid. That was a fumble. That was a fumble. That was just a I, – I don't understand. Like, you're holding the ball. A guy slaps it out of your hand. That's a fumble. Like, why was that uh, – I guess because it had to do with, like, the throwing motion. I don't know who the hell came up with the tuck rule. I almost feel like they did it on purpose just to create controversy um, so people will still be talking about it 20 years later. We're talking to Bill Burr. He's playing two shows at the Benetton Center in downtown Pittsburgh on April 6th. Uh, uh, Bill, the Benetton's a real fancy room. Is that how you know you've made it when you come out on stage and you look up and see a crystal chandelier? Oh, yeah. Whenever you play places like that, it, it actually gets me in my head when I see how beautiful they are and, I'm, and then think about what I'm about ready to say. I'm like, should I? <laughs> I don't think I should be working here, man. So I don't, unfortunately, I don't know what this place is, uh, and people are making a big deal about it. I'm glad I, I'm not aware of it, so I won't. <laughs> I'll be just blissfully ignorant until I get there, so I won't be nervous until I walk into the place. Now, you're playing two shows early and late. I've often wondered. Do you do the same show both times? Because I, I doubt many people stay for both, but still, there's probably a couple. Um, I mean, obviously, it's going to be roughly the same, but I always switch it up. But switching it up can also be scary. I did that the other night. I, I did my act frontwards, and then I did it backwards. And then from the second show, like but towards the end, I was like, I can't. did I already do this joke? I can't even remember. <laughs> so I would just sort of introduce the subject and listen for like a little trickle of laughter. And I'd be like, okay, they're still laughing, so I haven't talked about this one. Now, when are you going to be on Better Call Saul? Because uh, we need to see Kubi and Ewell, the A-team, back in action. Any any prospects for that? Uh, the best prospect is for you guys to keep watching that great show, and I figure the closer they work to um, their way back to them being in Albuquerque, right. I feel like I'll, uh, I'll, it comes to – but I don't know what my, my guy's backstory is. 
I remember watching one of the final episodes, and Dean Norris was his character was talk Hank was talking about my character going that Patrick Kuby guy that uh, that carrot top from Boston, and I, that was the first time I heard my character's first name. I literally was by myself, stood up from the couch, going, well, "My name's Patrick. I'm from Boston." <laughs> and then that made that train robbery scene make sense to me because I remember when we we robbed the train. And I was dressed like a cowboy, and I kept asking uh, Vince Gilligan, going, hey, you want me to do, like, a southern accent or anything? And he was going, like, no, man, just talk how you talk. Talk how you talk. And I didn't get it until I watched it, and I saw myself in a cowboy shirt with a Boston accent. And, I, and then I realized, I was like, oh, that was the joke, that this guy just put the clothes on, but he still talked like he was from Boston. So it was clearly, you know, this guy's full of crap um, conning these guys, so... The thing is, basically, that guy's so much infinitely smarter than I am that I, literally as a comedian, I didn't even get the joke he was doing until after I saw it edited. Now, I saw you on Conan not long ago, and you talked about not being allowed to make fun of the military. And I'll tell you, you hit the nail on the head with that one. You almost expect to be dragged away if you don't give a standing O every time the military's mentioned. But here's the thing. It's not by the military. They love it. They think it's hilarious. Like, I do all that stuff saying, dude, they're not all heroes. Some of them sit in a camouflage cubicle ordering <laughs> grenades at M16s. They don't actually, you know, they never see any battle. I, I talked to this, I met this guy one time. He, he was in the Marines. All he did was play drums. He was in the band. So he played like the vice president on and off the, uh, the helicopter. And he's laughing, going, yeah, walking through the airport, getting standing ovations because I feel like an idiot. <laughs> so, but you know, you know how it is. It's, it, I think this country also is, still has a lot of guilt on the way the troops were treated after Vietnam. So it's now gone. In, so I think if if you tease them at all, it becomes that. And uh, and then also I think the powers that be have also wrapped in that if you criticize where the rich people are sending the military, then that means you're in ISIS now. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a brilliant, it's a brilliant thing that they've done with it, but it's not, it's not, in the short run it's brilliant, but in the long run it isn't because we're kind of spending a billion dollars a month, it seems, to fight like 3,500 a-holes that are like trading on a jungle gym. That's what kills me about these guys is they, we're not fighting a country. So you can't get them. Like when we fought the Germans and the Japanese, they were, they had a place where they were. And you could just annihilate that, and then it, you know, or they annihilated us, and then it was over. This is just like I don't know what it is. It's like whack a mole that cost them <laughs> a billion dollars a month. So I'm down with the cause. It's just you know, I'm a frugal son of a gun, and, and I just look at this on paper the money that we're spending versus what they're spending. We're coming at them with like billion dollars worth of military stuff, and they're showing up like 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 a bag of fireworks. I don't know. <laughs> I just I just don't know how we financially sustain this thing. Well, Bill, I watch a lot of late night TV, and I love it when you're on because you actually make the host nervous. Conan, Jimmy Fallon, they actually kind of quake with anticipation, wonder what you're going to say next. No, no, they they kid me. Those guys have interviewed tens of thousands of people. They are, they're totally Conan is so good at what he does that you you're thinking he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. If you watch him and Andy how good they are. It's like they're old school guys, man, where like if you're doing bad, they jump in and save you. If you're killing it, they just let you kill. That's like the Johnny Carson thing when he realized if you were killing, the show was killing, and he got out of the way. And Fallon's the same way. 
You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, some of the stuff I say, if, if they were coming along for the ride, it kind of takes the edge off of it. So if they kind of pull back too, it, it's sort of like a good cop, bad cop thing that they're doing. And, Bill, finally, uh, you're a big Ric Flair fan. Uh, you met him, uh, uh, and I was there too at the Mario Lemieux golf thing a couple years ago. Did you see his 30 yeah. for 30 special? I'm kind of curious to your take on that if you saw it. I went to the premiere. I was doing a movie called Front Runner, starring Hugh Jackman, about the Gary Hart story, directed by Jason Reitman, if I can hike that. That's going to be coming out later this year. I was just in town, and it just so happened that there was a 30 for 30. His premiere was there, and it was, uh, I thought it should have been longer, like another an extra hour. How do you sum up Ric Flair in an hour or not even 90 minutes? But I also just loved how unapologetic he was about his, uh, you know, how like, I, I was just refreshing to see somebody say that they weren't a family man and just be like, yeah, man, I was just bored. And there's a lot of people, men and women, who should not get married and have kids, but they feel this pressure to do it because everybody else does it. And then, you know, they do like, you know, the troops are standing. Like everybody gives parents a standing ovation, um, just like assuming that, like, they're doing this heroic thing. And a lot of them aren't good at it. <laughs> so that's the one thing that I took out of it, because I had heard a lot of the stories. But um, I thought it was really honest, and they showed him warts and all. And um, and I think if you did that to anybody, you know, because I know some Ric Flair fans maybe thought they went too hard with some of his tragedies and stuff like that or shortcomings. But I, I, th- I, I, li- I liked it because it really, I saw the human side of him and he's such a great guy when you meet him. It's like there's so many people you meet, you think, oh, God, I wish I didn't meet him. He's not one of those guys. You meet Ric Flair, you're like, you love him even more. It's awesome. Bill, as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, and we'll right. see you in a couple of weeks. Good stuff. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. We'll see you. That's Bill Burr. He's at the Benedum. Two shows. Go to both. He'll do the second one backwards and confuse himself, even if you love it. That's April 6th at the Benedum Center, early show and late show, 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X.